How are you out there tonight? It's a rough crowd. Pastor Mike is going to come and bring the word to this rough crowd tonight. And hopefully you're all smoothed out when he's done. So come on, Pastor Mike. Let him know you love him. And I love you guys too. You are precious. You really are. You're a precious bunch of people. Bless the Lord. Let me get situated here. All right. Should I make myself comfortable? I'll pull up, bring up a chair. A lounge chair. Amen. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads as we gather around the Lord's word. It's good to worship the Lord and then let his word enter into our heart and then act upon it in faith. Amen. The word is not just there to read it and say, oh, that was nice, but it's to grab hold of it it's to claim it, it's to speak it, it's to live it, it's to use it for the purposes of God, to advance his kingdom, to bring healing, to bring deliverance, to prosper you, to bring you all his goodness. Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for worship, Lord, that you've prepared our hearts. Now that you've prepared our hearts and there's good soil, let the word fall on it and let it produce a crop Lord God, that, meant, that, makes, um, that manifests itself in people's lives and in the lives of the lost, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The last Wednesday night that I was here uh, in early November, I spoke on forget not all his benefits from Psalm 103. And the benefits that we covered was that he forgives all your sins. See, the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cleanse us of all our sins. The ones I do over and over again, the ones you do over and over again. The times when I get frustrated and I speak out of turn or I speak out of anger or I speak out of frustration and, I've offend, and, and I offend the Holy Spirit, yes, he cleanses us of all sin. The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So when the word says that the benefit of the Lord is the first benefit, which is the best benefit, is that he forgives all your sins, that's a great benefit. Now, sometimes you may, you may feel like, oh, I've really blown it. Not this time. He can't forgive me this time. It's not going to happen. Uh, you know, I've gone too far. It says that he forgives all your sins, past, present, and future. It's not based on what you have done. It's based on what Jesus has done. He died on the cross and shed his sinless blood for, sin, for sinful people so that the, the, the sufficiency of the, of, the, of the sacrifice was acceptable in God's sight that it makes our sins covered it doesn't come down to what I've done it comes down to what he's done and yes we sin I like what pastor says anybody have a sinless week anybody have a sinless five minutes sorry but we 
we are of this flesh. This flesh is sinful. And we live in a sinful world. And though we've been redeemed and covered by the blood of Jesus, we still sin. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sins. So one of the benefits is that he he forgives all your sins. It says in Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. Now we have to understand, you got to look at that word trespasses. What does that mean? That's a willful, that's a willful stamping or doing something knowing that it's not right to do. It's a trespass. You ever see signs that say no trespassing? And sometimes we walk on the property anyway. You shoot a deer there too and take it off there. So it says here that the forgiveness of our trespasses according to his riches of his grace. We have redemption through his blood. The other thing we covered was He heals all our diseases. So it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Now, did it say some? Did it say maybe if he gets around to it? Maybe if I have a good insurance uh, plan? You know, if your benefit covers it, you know, let me see, let me see your insurance card. Oh, Blue Cross Blue Shield? Yeah, I can cover that. All right, yeah, we got it. We, We can take care of this disease. No. No. If the word of God says that he heals all your diseases, then he heals all your diseases. And so we may go through times of sickness and God heals us of all our diseases. You say, well, if God, well, then why do people die? The greatest healing is being ushered into the presence of the Lord. Leaving your last breath here and taking your first breath in heaven, never again to have to go through any sort of sin, any sort of sickness, any sort of sorrow, any sort of trouble. That's the greatest healing that can ever come upon man. And so we have to understand that we we can pray for healing, we can believe for healing, but sometimes the end is the end. And so the ultimate healing is us going home. But here it says, it's, when it says he heals all, all our diseases, it says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced through, here we go again, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. Again, it's the work of Christ. His body was bruised, battered, and broken to bring our healing. And so the benefit of the Lord is not only forgiveness of sin, but also that he heals all our diseases. Healing is a benefit for being in covenant relationship with the Lord. Healing is a benefit for being in covenant relationship with the Lord. Healing is a benefit for being in covenant relationship with the Lord. You got to understand, when when you're sick, there's healing. And it's a benefit from the Lord. How do you you get a benefit? How do you take a benefit? You just cash it in. 
If there's a benefit from the word and it says the benefit is that he heals all our sins, then what do you got to do? You got to act on the benefit. If it's in the word and it's written in the word, then I can act on it and I can see the word be made manifest in my life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Tonight, I would like to continue to explore the benefits of the Lord. See, the benefits of the Lord are too numerous to count or fathom. Think about this benefit, being born again. That is the greatest benefit that has ever come upon man, to be born again. To one day, you're in, you're in sin, you're in darkness, you're in shackles, you're in chains, the devil has you, and then one by one confession of your mouth, that you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. What a, it's an absolute miracle. And all around this room are miracles. We've been born again. We've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. How? By the power of God. One day you didn't want to hear about Jesus. Next day you're in love with Jesus. That's a miracle. One day you were calling all those weirdos and now you're sitting around all the weirdos. That's a miracle. Look at them. Now look at us. We're here because we've been born again. Think about it. One day if somebody said, you know, in, in the BC days, somebody said, hey, you want to go to church? What, are you kidding me? No. Now look at you on Wednesday night. You can't wait to be at church. You can't wait to worship the Lord. You can't wait to be in his presence. You can't wait to hear the word of the Lord. It, it, it's... it's We've been born again, and we've been turned on to the good things of God. And the good things of God are the benefits of God. What's the benefit of God? Being born again is a benefit from the Lord. Too numerous to fathom. Here's another benefit. The gifts he bestows on us are overwhelming and wonderful. You have natural gifts and you have spiritual gifts. And the Lord showered them upon you in your mother's womb. See, while your mother was having a baby shower, God was giving you a personal baby shower. And he showered you with gifts. The gift of faith, the gift of healing. The gift of miracles. All of these gifts he gave upon us. He gave us Gifts, he says, he wrote, he, when he rose and he, and he took captivity captive, he, he, he gave gifts to the church. He gave a gift to the church. Pastor Rick is a gift to the church. He said he gave some to be pastors, some to be prophets, some to be teachers. He gave gifts to the church. And he, and he, and he why? So that we would hear the word we would learn from the word and we would grow up and we wouldn't be babies. And we would, do, we would do kingdom things. So the gifts that God has given us is the gift of, of being a, of, of a pastor. He's given us gifts, natural gifts. Um, whatever your gift may be, if it's, if it's to teach, if it's to uh, fix things, if it's to break things. It's a gift. I'm gifted in that area. 
whatever your gifting may be. God gave you a natural gift so that that would bless your life and allow you to prosper and allow you to live life here on the earth and to be a blessing to others. See, our gifts aren't just for us. Our gifts are to be, to be shared, your natural gifts and your spiritual gifts. So he gave us gifts The blessings that he has given us are amazing. Turn with me, if you will, again to Psalm 103. Let's revisit this, and I'd like to look at two more benefits. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Why does it say that? Because we forget the benefits of the Lord. So we stick right and remind us, listen, while you're worshiping the Lord, while you're blessing his name, while you're saying how good he is and the goodness of God and the, all the things he's done that are good for you, don't forget his benefits. And then it goes and lists them. Who forgives all your sins, who heals all, all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. That's a benefit. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. See, a lot of people who don't know the Lord think that he's just this angry curmudgeon, angry at everybody. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. But it says here, here's, here is a benefit from the Lord. He is compassionate. He's gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He is not dealt with with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, he is mindful that we are but dust. As for a man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and the place acknowledges it no more. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts and to do them. To those who, okay, we did that. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying his voice. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you who serve him doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So we see here that the Lord is, that the word is showing that there are many benefits 
to the Lord that he bestows upon us. We, we, I'm going to quickly just want to go over the next two. We did forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases, but let's look at the next two. It says here that who redeems your life from the pit. Now, this has a twofold meaning. The first pit was the pit of destruction, the pit of hell. We were on our way there, and we were on our way there willingly. Remember, when somebody says to you, you know, if you accept Jesus, he'll save you from hell. Ah, here there's a party in hell. I'd rather be there. What does that mean? That means that I was willingly on my way to hell. Willingly. And then God began to put circumstances in our lives that caused us trouble and caused us pain that we began to cry out to God and God saved us from the pit of destruction. He redeemed us from the pit of hell. He redeemed us from the course of our life, which was heading to everlasting destruction, everlasting separation from God. And he snatched us and picked us up, pulled us out and redeemed us from that pit of destruction. That's a benefit. And we're still, we're still having that benefit today. So there's a twofold meaning to the, to the, when it says here, he redeems your life from the pit. Jesus was and is our kingsman redeemer. He's the one who drew us to the father. He's the one who drew us to, to the place where we would call out to him. He's the one who kept coming after us again and again when we rejected him and rejected him and rejected him and did our own thing and willfully went our own way. He's the one who kept at us until the point where we would turn to him, call out to him, and he would snatch us up from the pit of destruction. But there is another pit that he saves us from. And it's really the pitfalls of life. And as I think, when I was, I was thinking of this, the pit, I couldn't help but think of this video that I'd like us to see. Pit of despair. Why bother curing me? 
Prince and the Count always insist on everyone being healthy before they're broken. So it's to be torture. I can cope with torture. Don't believe me? You survived the fire swamp. You must be very brave. But nobody withstands the machine. Sorry, but as I was putting this together and thinking about the pit, I couldn't help but think about the pit of despair. <laughs> but if you think about it, it really is a real pit for some of us, a pit of despair. We despair of life. We despair of the future. We despair of the, the past. Did you, uh, I like what he said there, uh, you know, that you're in thick chains. And that's what a pit is. It's a place of bondage, it's a place of change, it's a place of despair. And it says that he redeems our life from the pit. And there are many pitfalls in life. There are some that pitfalls that are avoidable, and then there are some not so much. And the pitfalls manifest themselves in so many ways. Poor health, the loss of a job, the loss of income, friends that have turned against you, an unfaithful spouse or companion, rebellious children, and then any other overwhelming problem or what you can say is fill in the blank. There are many pitfalls in life and unfortunately, not all of them are unavoidable. Some of them we fall head on into and some of them are because of the, the actions of others. But from time to time in this life, we find ourselves in the pit. And the word of God and the benefit of God says here that he redeems our life from the pit. Now, if the benefit of the Lord is to redeem me out of the pit, how do I claim my benefit? See, you may be in a pit somewhere in your life or Maybe you're uh, bound to be in one one day. And if the word of the Lord says that he redeems my life from the pit, well, then how do I cash in on my benefit? What's the secret? What's the form? Do I have to get it notarized? Do I have to make multitude copies? Is there a, is there a bureaucracy in this thing? Is there red tape? How do I get around this? How do I claim my benefit? I want to share with you how easy it is to claim this benefit. Wait on the Lord. See, you may be in a pit that you've, that you've made for yourself or that has been made for you, that you, had, that you, you may be innocent, but because of association with other people or things, you find yourself in a pit. And so how do you get out of the pit? Well, I complain, I can complain my way out of the pit. I can tell God how unfair this is. I can ask God, where are you in the pit? I can begin to complain about the pit and how pity it is. <laughs> or I can do this and I can choose to do this. And this really is when you're in the pit, the first and best thing that you can do is humble yourself immediately and wait on the Lord. See, Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. 
He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. See, the way that you claim your benefit when you find yourself in the pit is, very, is, is surrender and just wait. Well, how long is it going to take? Could take a while, especially if you've got yourself in the pit by yourself. It could be a while. Because the thing is, if God pulls you out of the pit, you might just find yourself turn around and fall right back into the pit. And so sometimes when we find ourselves in a pit of our own creation, the best thing to do is humble ourselves and wait on the Lord. Cry out to him. As it says here, I waited patiently for the Lord. Well, what does it mean to, be, to wait patiently? I'm waiting. What does it mean to wait patiently? Now, we all love waiting patiently. Right? Two minutes in front of the microwave is like two hours. <laughs> Driving behind somebody slow is really a test of our patience. You know, or standing in line while somebody starts um, asking for lotto numbers. <sighs> and you're like, and everything inside you starts to, you start tapping your foot. Come on, come on, come on. We're an impatient people. And, and when we find ourselves in the pit, the thing that we need to learn is patience. And to wait on the Lord. See, waiting on the Lord, what is patient? What happens when the fruit of the Spirit, which Pastor Rick has talked to us about and taught us about and, and preached on, the, the, gift of the, the gift of the Spirit uh, is patience. Now, what does it mean to have patience? Well, if this is impatience, what does patience look like? Patience is peace. Patience is something calm. Patience isn't complaining. Patience is worshiping. Patience isn't asking God where he is. Patience is knowing God is with you, and in due season, he'll lift you up. That's patience. Patience is faith. Patience is knowing that while I may have got myself into this pit by my own stupidity, stubbornness, pride, arrogance, or habitual sin, if I wait on the Lord and I let him work on me while I'm in the pit, when he takes me out of it, I'll never go back to that pit again. I'll have learned what it is, one, to live in the pit, two, to learn my lesson from the pit, and three, that when God takes me out of it, it's even as it says in Psalm 40, he'll put a new song in my mouth. Also, it says that he will put my feet on, a, on, on the rock. I'll find my feet now on solid foundation. I'll be stronger. I'll be wiser. Almost sound like the $6 million man. We can rebuild him. We have the technology. You'll be, you'll, you will. You'll have, you'll have, you'll have better strength. You'll have better wisdom. 
you'll have better compassion because you'll know that somebody else that, is, that was in the same pit that you are, you'll know to have compassion for that person. You'll have an understanding of who God is and who you really are. You'll have an understanding of how much you need him to redeem you from the pit. And so the benefit of the Lord is that he redeems your life from the pit. First, we see this that he redeems our life from the pit of destruction, from the pit of hell. But then he redeems us from the pits, pitfalls of life and the things that overcome us or the things that we happen to fall into. The way to claim your benefit is to wait on the Lord and to wait patiently for him, knowing that he hears you knowing that he's going to bring you up out of the destruction. Know that where you're stuck in the miry clay, he's going to pick you up and pull you out. He's going to set your feet on a rock. He's going to make your footsteps firm. He's going to put a new song in your mouth. And not only that, but I love what it says here. Many will see and trust in the Lord. Your time in the pit when God takes you out is a brand new testimony. It gives you a new story of God that you never had before. See, that's why when it says, when you find yourself in the pit and how to redeem your benefit is to wait patiently for the Lord. The thing that so many of us seem to fall into it as a pit is that we complain to others, especially the lost, on how hard life is. How is that a testimony? Life is hard, but God is good. Are you not blessed? Are you, are you not in relationship with the Lord? Are not things good in your life? Even when things are bad, things are good. We really have no business complaining about our pit when we're in it to others and especially to the lost. It damages the testimony of who we are. And so when we find ourselves, when the way to redeem your benefit is to wait patiently for the Lord. Patiently sometimes is waiting quietly. Yeah, you can let a few people know what's going on, you know, in that, in that pit, but just to say, I'm waiting on the Lord. I know the Lord will redeem me from this. I know the Lord will take me out of it. This was of my doing, and I know that I, I, I have to uh, go through this because I know if I go through it, I'll learn something from it. I'll become more wise. I'll become more strong. I'll relate to the Lord in my pit, and I know that in due season, God will lift me out, and when he lifts me out, there'll be a new song in my mouth. There'll be a, a new firmness to my, to my step, and there'll be a greater testimony of who he is and others will see it so there's the benefit of the pit pitfalls in life are unavoidable the benefit of the lord is that he redeems us and rescues us from them the next benefit is that he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion did you know that you're wearing two crowns right now it says here that he crowns you with loving kindness, and compassion. You got two crowns on your head. You are crowned with two crowns. Let's look at the first crown, loving kindness. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary 
defines loving kindness as this, tender or benevolent affection. The Hebrew word for loving kindness is shesed, which means kindness, favor, mercy. One thing about loving kindness is that you will not find it in the world. The world is not kind. It is not gentle. It is not compassionate. You will not find loving kindness in the world, but you will find loving kindness in the Lord. God bestows this on us, but God, listen to the list that God bestows loving kindness on. He bestows it on the broken. Those that are crushed of spirit. He bestows loving kindness on them. Those that are in a, are in a season of tears, of brokenness, of humility. Oh, I want to say humiliation. You're broken. And you think that you don't deserve love in your brokenness. And that's when God shows his loving kindness all the more to you. When you're broken and you feel that you don't deserve love, you say, I'm not worthy of it. That's when God puts more loving kindness on you. Because when you're broken and when you feel that you cannot be loved, he loves you even more. And this is a beautiful word. It's, it's loving kindness. It's tender. It's merciful. It's gentle. It's kind. It's tender. A lot of times when we mess up, people want to point out all our faults and failures. Oh, you did this or you did that. I'm surprised at you. I'm disappointed in you. I knew you'd do it again. We've heard these words over and over again. And yet, in our brokenness, God crowns us with loving kindness. The one who is overcome by sin, God crowns with loving kindness. You would think in a, in a situation like that, that God would want to reject you, that God would want to put you aside, that God would want to reprimand you. That God would want to um, reject you or not listen to you or close himself off to you. No. He crowns you with loving kindness. The one who beat, we beat ourselves up more when we sin or make mistakes or seem to be doing the same thing over and over again. We seem to just put upon ourselves the words that are not even the words of God. And yet in the place where someone is overcome by sin, God's crown of loving kindness is placed upon his head or her head. The sad, the depressed, the anxious and discouraged person, God crowns with loving kindness. The person who sad, whether it's the loss of a loved one or, or sad because of life circumstances or sad because this, it seems like what you expected out of life just didn't come about. We've all had seasons of sadness. It's in those seasons that God crowns us with loving kindness. When we're depressed, 
God crowns you with loving kindness. When you're anxious, God crowns you with loving kindness. When you're discouraged, I love when people, why are you, why are you so down? I love when people say, just cheer up. I waited patiently for the Lord. I love people's diagnosis of us. Oh, just cheer up. Oh, just don't worry about it. Oh, it, it, you know, uh, you got better things in, in, in life. Why are, you, why are you focused on this one thing? Sometimes when we're discouraged, we're discouraged. And God crowns us with loving kindness. See, because he's intimate with us. And he knows our emotional being. And he doesn't reject us when we find ourselves discouraged or anxious or depressed or sad. It's in that time that God wants to draw near to us and crown us with loving kindness. It's in those times that we want to hold him back. And we prolong the season of sadness, of depression, of discouragement, and of anxiety. But if we'll understand it and it's in those seasons that he crowns us with loving kindness, we'll come out of it quicker and sooner. The lonely. God crowns the lonely with loving kindness. You know, one of the most, I don't know how to say this, but during the COVID-19 when people were in hospitals and they were dying and they were dying alone, it was probably one of the most brutal, evil things that could have been placed upon an individual to be lying in a hospital bed with no one around them and dying alone. But the lonely, those who seem to have no friends or companionship or who, who, have, or, or who are so afraid of being rejected, so afraid of the words of other people that they shut themselves in and find themselves lonely. This time of the year, the lonely, it seems to manifest itself even greater. But God crowns the lonely with loving kindness. The hurting, he crowns with loving kindness. The sick person, he crowns with loving kindness. The weary, tired person, he crowns with loving kindness. The needy person, he crowns with loving kindness. Why? Because the needy person seems to draw all out of people but the needy person God surrounds and crowns with loving kindness. When you've looked all around for love and kindness and found none, God crowns you with it. The next thing is compassion. Again, Merriam-Webster defines compassion as sympathetic, sympathetic consciousness of others' distress with the desire to alleviate it. I want to give you two examples of Jesus' compassion. In Matthew 15, 29 through 32, he says, departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up on the mountain, he was sitting there, and large crowds came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others, and, he laid them, and they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them all. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. 
And Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I feel compassion for the people because they remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry for they may faint on the way. So he not only healed the multitude, he fed them. That's compassion. He not only said, all right, well, you've been healed. Go home. Show's over. No, he realized, and he said, these people have been with me for three days. If I send them away, they're not even going to make it home. They're going to faint on the way. And then the disciples were like, well, where, can, where are we going to find enough food to feed all these people? And this is Jesus' miracle in feeding the 4,000. The prelude to that was him healing, and the prelude to that was him showing compassion on the people. And because he showed compassion on the people, a miracle was performed right before them. Not only a miracle of, of healing, but the miracle of providing for their needs. The next one is in Luke chapter 7. It says, soon afterward, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the cities was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, do not weep, and he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt, and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Compassion. Compassion. Something you're not going to find out in the world. Sometimes you may not even find it in the church. But you'll find it in the Lord. When you're broken, when you've suffered loss. When you're crying out for your children. The Lord has compassion on you. When you find yourself in despair, the Lord has compassion on you. When you've suffered the loss of a loved one, the Lord has compassion on you. When you're tired and weary and about to give up, the Lord has compassion on you. And so bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. I don't know what benefits you may need today, but why leave this place and not cash in on it? Maybe you need forgiveness. The benefit of the Lord is to forgive you of all your sins. Maybe you're here and you're sick. Why walk out sick if the benefit of the Lord is that he heals all your diseases? If you're hearing the word of the Lord, respond to it. Maybe, you have, maybe you're in a pit. Whether it's of your choosing or not of your choosing, you may find yourself in a pit. He wants to redeem you from that pit. All he asks is that you wait patiently for him without complaining, without murmur, without bitterness, without doubt, without asking, where are you, Lord? If he was with Joseph in the prison cell, he can be with you in your pit. And last of all, 
He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. No matter where you're at in life, understand, you walk around today with two crowns, loving kindness and compassion. Be blessed in Jesus' name.